Hola, and welcome back to another episode of the Latina CEO Identity Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Fernandez, and I'm so excited for today's episode because this is turning into a little tradition, y'all. We did this last year where we did a mix of our favorite episodes of the year, and so this is a special release where we will be highlighting the episodes that you loved in 2023. And so if you didn't listen to last year's We did it uh, in 2022 as well, and it was episode 28, so you can refer back to that one. But for today's episode, you'll be hearing a mix of your favorite episodes of the year, which include some topics around unlocking your Latina CEO identity and overcoming imposter syndrome, creating a six-figure entrepreneur identity, embracing multiple identities as a therapist turned coach, And your job is changeable, but your health is not. Lastly, building a coaching business with ADHD. And so some of these are featuring mainly a lot of my clients that I serve in my group program and in private coaching. And I'm so excited. So if you didn't already listen to these episodes, you're in for a treat because you're going to get all of the highlights and basically the summarized version of them. And if any of the pieces resonate with you and really hit home for you, go back and listen to the full episodes. You'll find all of the details in the show notes. And before we dive into the episode, if you know that you've been wanting to work with me one-on-one, I invite you to schedule a consultation call with me for one-on-one coaching. If you know that you want to go full-time into your coaching business this year, you want to be a full-time coach, you want to get your business to the next level, you want to start booking out your services, come and work with me inside of one-on-one coaching. I invite you to schedule a call with me. You can find the details and pricing in the link in the show notes. When you click on the link, you'll schedule a call. It'll redirect you to a form. You'll find all of the details there. We'll get on a call and see if we're a good fit for us to work together. So I'm excited. I have openings for quarter one of the year. You can book your call and we can have our start date be in February or March. Again, if you want to be a full-time coach, come and work with me inside of one-on-one coaching. No matter where you are right now, I can help you and I want to help you. And so I am so excited for every single new client that I will be serving this year in 2024. Future clients, I cannot wait. You do not even know what you what this year has in store for you, okay? You just got to decide that you are going to take the action and you got to be committed to the process. And if that's you and you are ready to do the work, you don't want to keep waiting and keep prolonging going into full-time entrepreneurship and becoming a full-time coach, can't wait to serve you instead of one-on-one coaching. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hi, and welcome to the Latina CEO Identity Podcast, a show for Latinas who want to take the unconventional path. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Liz Fernandez, a first-generation daughter of immigrants and therapist turned multi-six-figure CEO and identity coach. I help Latinas create and claim their identity as booked out coaches and entrepreneurs. In this show, you will have a space to help you realize just how gifted and extraordinary you already are so that you start tapping into your gifts and start creating your Latina CEO identity. Lista? Let's get into today's episode. I know that like some challenges came up for you, right? Like one of the big ones was can I transfer my skill sets from my therapy work to coaching? Like I've just have a lot of experience with middle-aged, like, you know, like middle school kids and and just teenagers and younger adults, but can I actually transfer that over? Like, do I need a certification? So tell us more of what came up for you 
in, you know, in this process of you even seeing yourself as someone that could expand your services into coaching? Yes. First of all, imposter syndrome. Like, let me just tell you, that was the first thing that hit when even hearing the word like coaching. Like, I was like, who, me? Like, no, like, it was just kind of like, it sounds cool, but you know, like when you're like, "Mm, I like it, but I don't know if I could do it, you know? So yeah, I was, I was very hesitant about actually starting because I was like, I come from this world of like, you know, the school system, working with the, the kids, all of these other ethical, you know, responsibilities. And then it's like, I could just go to just coaching and, you know, do like another thing with adults, like, and then basically, because I, I had a lot of ideas and plans that I would like to do back then, but I just didn't even know if I was capable. I didn't know how to. So one of the things was like, how am I going to just focus on adults now? If I'm, I mainly work with kids. That's where my experience is at. That's who I'm with every day. And now working with adults. And it's different because when you are doing clinical counseling, uh, you're more of like a social emotional support. So we really focus on that area. Now it's more of like a whole person's life when it came to helping them with their wellness journey and coaching them. So I felt like that was kind of like, okay, how am I going to be able to shift from one thing to another? Thankfully, working with you, I brought all of my ideas to you, laid them out. And then it was like, you know what, Jess? you could do it. And I was like, okay, I can't. I'm like, Liz, please tell me how, like, please tell me like, como le voy a hacer. And basically you, I remember you like telling me like, just be how you are with the kids and you're just going to do it, you know, with an adult and you're just going to help them as their life. And I remember in online coaching, you had us do an exercise of the role playing and I want to say that that was probably like one of the the best ways that you could have helped me was because it was basically doing a presentation, but like a real life presentation where I was actually helping people and people were actually like asking for my help. And I was like, you actually like want my help. The fact that they were actually taking notes on what I was presenting and sharing how they were going to apply to themselves, everything that I was showing them about all these wellness routines, it was like, you know what? I can't do it. That was probably the biggest challenge was like that mindset of switching my mindset from like focusing on my teens to adults. But once you apply it hands-on, it changes completely. And I feel like that's when like the capability that you didn't even know you had comes out and shines. I want to talk specifically about the time where your relationship was ending and then the fraud on your account. So tell us about that. That was a very interesting, a very interesting time because it happened like, I swear, like not even weeks apart that it happened. It was like in the middle of it all. It was like, it was all happening and it was testing me left and right. And I think that the relationship ending was one of the hardest things. I think the fraud, I I took it really well. I had no idea it was happening. I was able to gracefully say, you know, it's out of my control. They didn't take anything. I can only focus on what I control. So with that, I think that because I've done so much work on my money mindset and in my money wounds and my money trauma, I have come a long way. 
And because I know, I know myself and I know that if everything was taken away, I know that what I can create and what I'm capable of. And I'm so in my identity as CEO and an identity and business coach that if everything were to go away, I would figure it out. And I don't think I had that type of certainty prior to joining the mastermind. It's something that I really cultivated inside of the mastermind. And it makes you feel very like you trust yourself so much. You're so grounded in who you are. And it's like, you're unstoppable. You really do feel that way. So I think because I was so grounded in that, that didn't really shake me as much. And really like a week after that, it was like the relationship was coming to an end. It was a lot on an identity level, a lot of on an identity level, because a five-year relationship is, it, it was a long-term relationship. And it's almost like you're coming, you're grieving that process. And this type of grief is really heavy. I don't think we talk about it enough, right? Sometimes you think that you take time off of, from your business because, you know, somebody passes away in your family, which is very valid, right? Or very extreme cases. But I think this experience provided an opportunity to allow myself to hold space for myself and set an example for my clients to know that it's okay to take time off when these types of transitions are taking place. Somebody does not have to pass away in order for you to take this time off. Breakup doesn't have to happen for you to take this time off. The big picture here is honoring your humanity. And I think sending that email to my clients um, when that process was taking place and letting them know I, I'm going to be taking this week off for the sake of honoring and holding space for my humanity. Use this time to do something that similar for yourself, right? Setting that example opened up a door of opportunity for my clients to give themselves permission to do that. But more than anything, I think on for myself, it was also a big uh, moment, a big breakthrough of breaking ceilings because coming from someone that has been a hustler or is a recovering hustler, you know, super hardworking background, I used to feel so much guilt and shame over taking time off. And I still remember, and I want to mention it because I still remember, I think I was graduating. I had just graduated. I had gone to Vegas to celebrate with my family and I was feeling so guilty. I was already in the mastermind. And I remember I got coached on this and you mentioned, Dale, is this how you want to remember this time of your life looking back? And that that's all it took for me to moving forward, really honor my, my space and my process because that I will never forget that. And it's something that really just made all the difference for me. So all that to say that it was a process uh, that was really difficult to navigate. I took the time that I needed off. I let myself feel the feelings. I let myself cancel my meetings for that week and just do a whole lot of nothing, cry it all out, go to therapy, rely on, on my peer, like our, on peers from the mastermind that were incredibly supportive, that held space for me outside of the mastermind group. And that also allowed us to cultivate really strong friendships and lifetime relationships. So that was really the process that I was going through. And I really just didn't force myself to do anything that didn't feel aligned. So I think that also helped my healing process, like just speed up a little bit faster. What's been the most empowering moments and challenges that you faced transitioning from coaching, like from therapy to coaching and being a life coach? So many moments empowering that I, that Daisy Gomez and it's all collectively and myself and who I am, there's so many aspects of me, right? So 
kind of breaking out of that one identity is very freeing. Um, And I think especially when you go through graduate school and you go through putting in the clinical hours and putting in all the work, like I've been in the field of mental health for 10 years. It's probably the longest profession I've, I've known. And so really breaking out of it has been really powerful because if I had not been open to being a therapist, being a coach, I don't think I would have also been open to teaching or being a profesora, right? Or I would I wouldn't be able to really own that I am a speaker and I enjoy doing that and I love educating others. And so knowing that I can do more than one thing with this one profession that I went to school with for, right, is probably one of the most empowering things. And again, going back to my my personal growth and my personal healing that I want to live life on my own terms and I want to live life for me. And so that means I get to be who I want to be when I want to be it. So, so good. Um, I think the most, the most challenging, um, it probably has been letting go of what others think, letting go of that one identity of just being a good therapist, a great therapist, because I truly believe that in the last 10 years, I've done phenomenal work. I've been able, and I've been, it's a blessing. It really has been a blessing. My, I started my career in a nonprofit that did not have a mental health division. And so I was their very first therapist. I was the very first to help them establish systems, establish everything from billing to administrative tasks, to clinical things, to actually doing the direct service and starting different programs, a women's center, a school-based center. And so as a recent graduate, given that position, right, and being able to service my community, it, it made me, it created a big part of my identity. And I owned it for the last eight, 10 years, really. My current role in my nine to five is more on the marketing. It's more on the clinical marketing. And so that position also started to plant that seed that you mentioned earlier of like, oh, I can be a therapist, but I can also be a speaker and I can also educate the community and leave, you know, leave the traditional psychiatric hospital, the traditional nonprofit community mental health clinic, school-based services, and really expand. And that was the first, the first trial that I had on breaking out of that one identity, right? Especially because when we go to school, it's like, okay, this is your degree this is what you're able to do, right? And this is what you're going to do. And I think systemically, we're kind of very much conditioned to just follow that one route. And breaking out of it has probably been the most challenging and the most rewarding at the same time. Regardless of where you are, I'm not telling you to leave your job right now, but I am telling you to listen to your body. I'm telling you to listen to yourself, to your needs, to your wants and to your desires, and to realize that your health is so much more important than a job. You have a whole curriculum, a whole lifetime of experience of work that you've done. You can definitely afford to take a break for your health. Whatever that looks like, there's a lot of different avenues and ways in which you can approach this. It could look like you taking a sabbatical. It could look like you taking a medical leave of absence, right? And exploring that. But what I found through clients that I've worked with is that we have all of these benefits that we never take advantage of. It's even hard for us to take time off of work now, let alone actually exploring the idea of benefits and taking on those benefits, right? Because So many different thoughts come into mind, right? Like, what does that mean for my work ethic? Like, what if I, there's retaliation at work for taking time off. There's a lot of work that has to get done. And 
I'm the only one, right? I have clients. They would have to go to someone else. Whatever that looks like for you, this is your sign to actually seek that support. It's your sign to take advantage of the benefits that you have in your current employment that, you know, really for a lot of you, it's the reason why you're there in the first place because of the benefits, right? It's the stream that they sell us of if you're working nine to five, it's the best thing because you have all these benefits for all these things, pay time off. But how often are you actually taking the pay time off and or the sick time off? And how often are you taking advantage of the benefits that you do have? And if you do, that's amazing for you. But there's a huge population of us that actually don't take on those benefits. And again, I see it over and over again with like my clients where if they injure themselves at work, they have a hard time even taking the time off because of an injury that happened at work and or advocating for themselves and having to prove themselves to HR, whatever that looks like. So I share this with you because I want to bring awareness to the fact that there is so many different ways in order for you to be able to take care of your health, your physical health, your mental health, and to prioritize your quality of life. And I want you to know that you are so much more than your job and the identity that you hold in your job. And it is not too late to take advantage of these resources that you, you know, you have in front of you. And if your goal is to eventually leave your nine to five, then I just want to offer that you start looking at the things that you need to put in place so that you can make that a reality so that it's no longer just a dream of one day, but it's actually something that you can take action on. And to start bringing us to a close, I want to offer, you know, that sometimes we find that taking these breaks or taking this time we make it mean a lot about us. And when you take a step back, I really want you to lean in, right? I want you to lean into the biggest fear that you have when it comes to prioritizing your health over your job, right? And whatever thoughts are coming up for you, I want you to write those thoughts down and actually lean into that, right? Because I think it's for us, you know, we struggle a lot with this whole idea because, you know, it feels like a risk, like, What if, you know, I lose my job and I don't have a stable income coming in or whatever that looks like for you. I really want you to know that you owe it to yourself to put yourself first, to put your health first. And there's nothing a job can give you if something goes like hits the fan with your health. And I really hope that you don't wait until something does hit the fan for you to actually start taking action on taking care of you. Now I want to shift gears a little bit to hear a little bit more about, you know, your own process and navigating ADHD symptoms and building your business, you know, at the same time, did you ever think this was going to be possible? Right. So in terms of building a business, when I look back at my childhood, I was always a little bit entrepreneurial. You know, I would create a little at-home spa, charge my mom and sister for my massages and things like that, you know? So I always had that in me. And again, I've mentioned, you know, I come from a family that is just very entrepreneurial. But in terms of, you know, using my ADHD almost as like a superpower to supercharge my business, is that something I saw coming? Not necessarily, because honestly, I grew up undiagnosed and I was not diagnosed with ADHD until 2020, the same year that I started my coaching business. I don't know if people are aware of this, but a lot of the diagnostic criteria for ADHD a lot of that research is based on research done on white men. And so if you're not that, 
then you're probably going to fall through the cracks. You're probably going to get diagnosed a little bit later. I think women in particular, the average age for a diagnosis is like 33 or something. And that's just like women in general. If you're a woman of color, it's probably going to be a little bit longer than that until you get diagnosed. So yeah, so there I was just living my life, not aware that I had ADHD for a long time. And it's kind of funny because I feel like I didn't realize it for the longest time because I had this kind of paradoxical issue of too much representation of ADHD, but also not enough representation of ADHD. So what I mean by that is that I can clearly see now that I'm diagnosed who in my family has ADHD. It's my dad. It's some of my uncles, some of my cousins. Like I can see it, but they were all undiagnosed as well. And so for the longest time, because I was like them, I was like, oh, this is just how people are. This is, you know, the norm. This is how everyone acts. So it never occurred to me that that was a neurodivergent trait or that they were neurodivergent. But then at the same time, when I thought growing up of ADHD, I always thought of the boys in my elementary school classroom who, you know, were on medication and they had the hyperactive type of ADHD. Like they were what everyone thinks of when they think of ADHD. They think of hyper boys. And I was like, well, I'm not necessarily hyper and I'm also not a boy. Therefore, it can't be me. I didn't even realize that there was a type of ADHD called inattentive, which is basically what ADD used to be called or like it used to be called ADD. I mean, so I didn't realize that for the longest time until I was talking to one of my friend's moms and she was talking about ADHD and girls. And I was just sitting there like, oh, wait, (laughs) the stars were aligning. Everything was connecting. I suddenly realized that sounds a lot like me. Went to my doctor, got diagnosed Anyway, all this to say that while I was diagnosed late in life, I realized that a lot of, well, I say late in life, I'm still pretty young, but like where I am currently, um, I realized that the tactics and the methods that I've been coaching my neurodivergent clients in, it was really working for them because it had been working for me all along. Because I had been neurodivergent all along, I just hadn't realized it. Once I realized that I became a lot more intentional in researching ADHD and how it connects to your writing process, how it connects to how you deliver speeches, how it connects to how you just communicate in general. And that's when I realized like, oh, this is the niche I want to focus on. This is where I can be the most impactful, the most helpful. And so that realization has really just been pivotal in my business. This is amazing and so incredible. And I'm so proud of you for honing into that gift that you do have, right? And thank you for sharing, you know, your own journey with it, because I identify so much with everything you're sharing, because I truly believe that I have ADHD and I, it's just been undiagnosed and everything that you shared, I'm like, that's me, that's me, that's me (laughs) for everything, but it's so real. And sometimes I think we carry so much shame for these things rather than leaning into them and like using it as like, you know, our gift and our superpower and like adjusting things to support us in, in a way that we need to be supported because the truth is we're freaking amazing. We really are like, and we can't be looking at, at those symptoms as imperfections. Right. And rather like, that's why I love the work that you're doing. Right. Because you really empower your clients to not see themselves as different in, in a negative way, but rather, you know, teach them the skills to support themselves in in that process. and, And with like the symptoms that they're experiencing. If you took value from this episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. This will help other Latina CEOs find us. And if you're excited about this podcast, I invite you to take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at LifeWithLiz 
That is L-I-F-E-W-I-T-H-H-L-I-Z. Mil gracias por estar aquí and I'll see you in the next episode.